Hello, welcome to episode 12 of We Walk the Earth, a Nodalove original podcast. I'm your host, Sergio Isauro. This podcast is a joint effort of many talented creatives. If you wish to support this project, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This will help us continue and reach a wider audience. This week's guest, Kenny Galloway, works in his local school district providing bilingual education support, community welfare and social emotional development for the emergent English immigrant students, their families and fellow teachers. He describes himself as a professional generalist. He has an extensive background as management consultant and campaign manager throughout Mexico, Central and South America and has visited over 40 countries for work, exploration, and field research. Parallel to his professional career, he has served as a volunteer for the Peace Corps, as a wine industry journalist, and as a community event producer. Building upon his corporate and government background, he spent the past 10 years planning a complete transition out of business and politics, and dedicating his efforts solely to his true passions. Music, community outreach and bilingual education, which left him back to his hometown, Worthington, Ohio. Kenny is fluent in Spanish and proficient in French, but due to a 337% growth in Portuguese-speaking students, he will spend his next summer break in Rio de Janeiro, studying Portuguese full-time to properly support the growing Brazilian population in central Ohio. If you want to support Kenny's Portuguese studies and his students, head to his crowdfunding campaign through the show notes of this episode. Let's welcome to the show, Kenny Galloway. This is We Walk the Earth. Thank you for joining us. Hello, Kenny. How are you? Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you for this opportunity. I'm really, really happy to be able to share this conversation with you. I, I've been really, really excited about this recording because you're a dear friend and also I, I admire your, what I know of your path a lot. Uh, you've been involved in so, so many things and and situations places with all sorts of different people and i i think that's very valuable we were having a conversation yesterday a catch-up conversation over the phone and yeah i i was telling you how i think that's very valuable and how that plays a big role in where you are right now and where you're putting your energy and your time. Uh, so can you explain a little bit of your current situation, what you're doing for work, where you are, why? Yeah, yeah, happy to do so. And and really happy to, as you know, as much as uh, many of our mutual friends, uh, a lot of my path has included you along the way. And, and I'm really uh, grateful and, and feel blessed for what we've 
experienced together and, and learned together and the ups and the downs and it's been a beautiful mm. uh, journey. It's always hard for me yeah. to kind of put together my path because I, like you said, I've, I've done so many things. It was both part of an intentional journey, but also, you know, the difficulty in, in one's life to kind of find their self. I yeah. always knew that my calling was community-based, people-based, expression and, and, and emotionally based, but I always lived in a, a, a parallel world through my upbringing, what I learned from my father in terms of the business world, corporate America, international business. And so I saw the, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I, I kind of experienced many great things, but, but certainly many bad things at the same time. But really what I'm getting to is my background starts with me focusing on business as studying international business at Ohio State University and and then ultimately getting my master's degree in Paris in public administration, focusing on human security, which brings together yeah. human development and social or sustainable development and, and human security. Yeah. So it's a multifaceted degree. So that's where I kind of brought together both business administration with my community interests and community roots. And at first it led me into a career of management consulting, project management, but in the corporate sector. And it, yeah. it never fulfilled what was my purpose not really knowing what my purpose was at the moment, but I just knew I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. I was good at it. I have strong organizational skills, analytical skills, etc. In certain ways, I'm passionate about organizing and coordinating and improving processes. I worked a lot in continuous process improvements. So there were parts of it that were very much me, but I was working for a bank in Jamaica or for an oil uh, exploration and distributor in, in Peru or conducting, directing a field, the field operations for a political campaign in Mexico. So the activities I was, I was doing were very much linked to my skill sets, but, but the, the actual mission was completely disconnected from me. So it was very kind of disheartening and, you know, over time was kind of leeching my soul away. Mm. And, and I identified yeah. this very quickly, but it, it took me a, really about 10 years to, to finally uh, break out, you know, of the, the daily bump and grind. So, so I knew that I wanted to leave this, this world I was in that wasn't really fulfilling my purpose. But at the same time, I, I wanted to apply my skills to something else. And the first, that, the first turning point, I would say, was, was the Peace Corps. I served yeah. for two years in Mexico at the Math Research Center in Guanajuato, central Mexico. Beautiful, mystical, yeah. amazing city. So there I you know, spent two years doing community work. You were part of one of my secondary projects, putting together an echo art, music, and sustainability festival that brought together a lot of beautiful souls yeah. and kindred spirits. So I do the Peace Corps. I, I finished my 
my service. I start connecting with my creative musical roots, which I didn't mention, but I'd, I've always been connected to music. I started out as a percussionist, and through your cousin, I got deeply in, in, entrenched in the world of music production and, and learning that also in many ways thanks to you. So hmm. while I was in the process of exploring my kind of my next step professionally, I was really engaging my creative and musical spirit. And that was about a five-year process, and that's what brings us to today. After I, I, I wanted to reconnect with my family. I've been living, I'd been living abroad, traveling all around the world. I've visited over 40 plus countries, lived in over 10 countries, just to throw out a ballpark number, maybe less, but I've lived in a number of countries. And I love that and I don't plan on uh, stopping the, the journey and the exploration, but I, I got to the point where I wanted to reconnect with my family in Ohio, central Ohio, mm -hmm. in Worthington. Yeah. We're super tight, there's a lot of love, a lot of unity, but I've been living abroad for essentially what ultimately ended up being 20 years, and I just uh, reached wow. the point where I decided that I'll never disconnect from my international, global citizen spirit, but I can do that while returning home to uh, Ohio and being closer to my family and, and still taking advantage of travels and whatnot, but, but kind of lo relocating back to my roots, back home to, to Worthington. And it just kind of fell out of the sky an offer to work at my local school district in Worthington, Ohio, in bilingual education and social work. I'm not licensed as a social worker at the moment. It is an interest of mine potentially, but what I do is very much half social work and half bilingual education support for my students and their families and yeah. my fellow teachers. So, ironically, I went from the corporate world to public education, but it became a perfect melange, if you will, a perfect combination of, uh, of complementary skill sets. I've been in situations where I've taught and facilitated trainings and whatnot, but I'm, I'm not a teacher. My background is in, is in management consulting and project management and systems and processes and organizations, not necessarily yeah. directly dealing with kids. In this case, my focus is in the high schools with the teenagers and, uh, and a little bit in the middle school. But I was surprised, and, and then in hindsight, it makes perfect sense that my background in business is one of the l biggest values added to what I do. The, a job that was really just intended to be supporting the classroom. For example, I uh, support science, math, uh, history, um, and English classes for our emergent English students, our immigrant student community. But uh, due to my background and my interests in social work and community outreach, it quickly branched out into many other activities of support, social, uh, emotional learning. But it, it's really bringing together the the social and the emotional aspects of a person into the classroom, understanding that we can't just teach them the arithmetic and, and, and reading and writing and, and that stuff, but you have to keep in mind and be cognizant of a student's emotional state 
So that led me to being very much involved with our mental health specialists, our school psychologists, the principal, the, the district, different initiatives. It's led me to creating an emotional grounding guide that we give to students that are uh, suffering various issues of emotional uh, stress. It's very much a responsive position. One of my students that, that just came from Venezuela was, was really held back because of daily migraines. So I spent you know, a couple of days researching about migraines. I've never had a migraine in my life, so I didn't know anything about it, and put together a you know, migraine relief packet. So there's just a big list of That's amazing. activities that, I'm, that you're drawn and compelled to get involved with and provide just through the day-to-day needs of the students, knowing yeah. that ultimately what you do, for better or for worse, can truly leave a lasting impact on their life. So, of yeah. course, you want that impact to be positive and, and help lead them in the, in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's so, so interesting, Kenny, how your skills um, develop through working in all of this more of like business efficiency process contexts are helping you right now. I think a common denominator, if you will, is sensibility to what the moment is requiring. So maybe before you used that sensibility and analysis to achieve a more efficient production chain or something and then now you're using it to improve people's lives kids lives no like teen are they mostly teenagers or so in my role my core focus is from ninth grade to 12th grade so they're all yeah. they're all teenagers and i also support the middle schools Directly, but much less. I don't support any classrooms in the middle schools this yeah. year. Last year I did, for example. Next year I believe I will be supporting the classroom in the in the middle school. So yeah, essentially the the whole the whole a, a range of of teen of teenagers is is my focus. Yeah. yeah, and this capacity or like ability to tune into the needs of other people. Did you? always have it or was it something that kind of was developed along the line i would say both i was born into a family that is half lifelong republicans half lifelong democrats and both yeah. lifelong community activists so mm. well wow. it's a household that is very atypical, at least in terms of the social groups that I'm connected to in, in my community. It's there's typic, it's typically a Republican household or a Democrat household. <laughs> there tends to be more of a singularity. And I grew up and was born in a household that treated everyone's beliefs as equally valid. Mm, and that wow. was always instilled in me. Certainly, It took me a while to gain the maturity to truly kind of blossom and apply that to the world. 
but it's definitely something that is rooted in my family. My uncle, um, may he rest in peace, he was, he went through a whole issue of a journey of emotional, psychological issues that kind of held him back. But at the same time, he's one of the most purest souls and hearts in our family. And he was a conscientious objector during the um, Vietnam War. And that led him to, because you had to do something, you couldn't just not go to, go to the war. You had to involve yourself in some sort of initiative. So he ended up working for, I believe it's the Christian Coalition, but don't quote me on that. But long story short, he ended up being the tutor for Martin Luther King's children. So he was put in the situation where avoiding the war, he was entrenched in the civil rights movement. So it wow. seems, and he never really shared much of any of that with, with me because he's just such, he was such a humble person. I first learned about it when I was probably in elementary school. So I, I already, I had enough knowledge to know how uh, important of a mission he was undertaking in terms of the civil rights movement with Martin Luther King. And, but at the same time, I certainly didn't grasp the full extent of it. But yeah. so yeah. I guess that's kind of a, long-winded a little bit uh, rambling way of saying there's it's always been in me everyone in our family but yeah. certainly my when it really kind of blossomed would have been kind of two key moments in life when I immersed myself in the local Mexican immigrant community in my hometown it was back in uh, yeah. 1996 when there was just really an explosion in particular of Mexican immigrants. Of course, then it diversified and, 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 and people were coming from all over. They sort of adopted me into their family. And I saw, I already had this in my blood, this idea of we're all equal, but we're all different, but we all have something to, to offer to the world. And I just obsessed <laughs> over immersing myself into this community and, and, it, it, and instilled some of that community uh, giving back, paying it forward mindset in, in, into me because I saw a completely different way of life, but at the same time, I totally connected with it, having no hmm. connection with it in theory. And that led me to majoring in Spanish and international business and getting highly involved in student activism in college and ultimately yeah. becoming a world, you know, a globetrotter, a world traveler. So the roots were always there, but it, it really... Um, exploded basically beginning in college with the opportunities yeah. I had through uh, student organizations and various initiatives that we got involved with. Mm. Yeah. And this journey of multi-skill development, do you think that's related to a kind of identity search in some way? Yeah, 100%. I only see it as positive, but it, it created a, a challenge in me um, with the way I am. W on any psychological or profile test, you know, for whatever they're worth, anyone I've ever taken, I always fall kind of in the bullseye, like I'm a little bit of everything. I'm not heavily weighted toward any particular, you know, purely analytical or purely creative or pure leader or. or or pure yeah. coordinator, etc. So my identity was always extremely mixed, which in one way was extremely challenging. In another way, I, I kind of see it as one of my superpowers, but it came with, with consequences. You know, from one day to the next, I, or not one day to the next, but 
my music tastes have evolved ex extensively. My fashion tastes, just, just a, a, all the different um, tastes um, that one would have, whether it's superficial or, or something more substantive, are constantly changing, constantly evolving. I don't think that's unique. I think we probably all go through that. But it seems like one of the most defining parts of my life, this constant journey of change, evolution, and, and discovery. My Every time I've, I've had to step back and, and look for a job, it's always been extremely challenging to, to reboot my uh, resume because I've kind of done you know, a little bit of everything, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. a jack of all trades, a master of none. And it wasn't until, I guess, going into Peace Corps and then getting kind of obsessive through my journey with music where I really wanted to start to root myself into one particular world where I could kind of master. But yeah, it's life for me has been a never ending journey, an exploration of self-identity and not in the sense of feeling lost, but in the sense of just knowing how much there is to learn. We're all infinitely ignorant. Yeah. You know, people take offense to the word ignorant, like we're 99.9% .9 ignorant. There's so much out there <laughs> to learn and to yeah. explore and to experience, which is what is the most beautiful thing about life to me. Yeah. My life has been a constant journey of, of self-discovery. I'm kind of a chameleon in, in that sense. I've been through many different um, evolutions in, in look and in, in mindset uh, and just mm -hmm. everything in, uh, in between. And I think it's the most natural human thing to keep on searching curiosity and trying to experience new things and new perspectives, new contexts. It's super, super natural. And I, I, I've felt it also with, I don't know, with my work. I've had people tell me like, hey, you know, like, why don't you do one thing and just stick with that? And my nature is to be all over the place trying new things finding new people to collaborate with i don't know make also like doing the same things in a different way i think it's part of our nature and i i really really applaud it when i see it in other people like you i couldn't agree more we were our parents i guess both of our parents of course they're have different career paths but are from the the baby boomer generation that was sort of taught to find your career and, and be loyal to the boss, to the organization, and, and even sink, sink with the ship type of mentality. It's kind um, of, it's kind of sorry no, that I go, interrupt, go. but it's kind of the same mentality as like uh, over-the-top patriotism, no? Like you're in the ship, like you were born here, you're loyal to it, and then your personal interests don't matter as long as the ship stays afloat. Yeah, exactly. And and I'm not the type to to say like okay, boomer or you know, I find that disrespectful. There's so many things I've learned from my parents' generation. Uh, and I think every generation evolves and there's not better or worse than the than the other, but there's just there's there's clear changes and evolutions that are obviously tied to technology, to world events, to to other, you know, x y or z. But at some point I read, I don't know if it's still the case that our generation is, is the first that will make less money than, than their parents. And, at some, and, and, and one 
text I read be less successful, which of course I completely disagree with because they're tying wealth to yeah. success. Um, yeah. it, you know, there's one thing to be said to, I, I have friends that, you know, I, I went to the Fisher College of Business at Ohio State and there were so many friends that um, I, I knew that got the internship at Procter & Gamble and I look at their LinkedIn and they're still with Procter & Gamble or they've moved on to some other um, complementary firm and nothing against them and and they might be extremely happy, happy and healthy and grounded, I have no idea. But it's a clear singular path where I've seen that they were told to do one thing because that was my, uh, uh, the way my, my, my schooling was. I uh, resisted it so I didn't follow that path but we were told to establish a career and stick to it and grow within the business. And so there are vice presidents or junior partners or even CEOs and have these uh, uh, on paper um, really um, strong positions and whatnot, but just in the back of my mind, I wonder if they're happy, are they, are they fulfilled? Um, is, it, is there more value to finding purpose and, and not sinking with the ship and, and constant discovery. And of course, you know, as, as I know you agree that, that, yeah. that I think there is. And uh, we're, yeah. we're, we were taught, or I was taught to, to focus on, on money and that was kind of the litmus for success. Um, in the school on day one, yeah. we saw a list of, of, of career opportunities based on salary. They weren't even going into the the purpose of the job, the fulfillment of the job, what was going to be your contribution to society. It was literally just a yeah. top 10 list of this job and how much money you would make. So it, it immediately wow. geared us toward money, money, money is uh, equivalent to success, which um, I'm yeah. happy that through my student activism and, and travels, I basically, essentially from day one, resisted that because I, I majored in accounting and finance and within an, a week I'm like screw this <laughs> and I changed it to uh, Spanish and international business and just to focus on on community outreach so it might not have been the the decision to uh, make the most money but it, it certainly provided me a lot more uh, fulfillment and growth and and discovery discoveries and opportunities yeah. I would have never met you I would have never met um, I would have never gone to, to France. I would have never traveled Asia. You know, I would, there's just so much more value to be had in, in a constant, uh, you know, search of, of others and, and oneself, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's very interesting to, I don't know, to try and uh, rethink the word wealth, you know? And yes, of course, money is a thing because we need it to move in this world, you know, because of how, you know, like how we've set the systems. Um, but it definitely should not be the, like you said, you know, like the most, uh, take the, the biggest chunk of the pie when talking about wealth, you know, like for you, you just mentioned it, traveling, um, 
being in touch with community, um, self-worth, having a purpose, all these things are pretty big chunks of the wealth pie. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And, and a lot of these things, someone can, can try and teach them to us, but we have to experience them, I, I think, to feel them. Yeah, definitely. And it's not like uh, seeking a path of, of constant discovery and, and, and introspection and, and personal evolution and change um, and, and avoiding the, the, the corporate construct will leave you poor. Uh, of course, poor uh, is not only monetarily, but, but um, spiritually and whatnot. Uh, to the contrary, I, I really believe um, if, 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 you just, if we just focus on what we love and what we, we really feel inside that is our purpose and what, what, what we need to do, you know, like when, when, when you're compelled to do something, not because someone told you, but because you saw the opportunity and you grasped it, um, ultimately, in many cases, and I'd argue maybe over the long run in most cases, if we just focus on our passion, um, the money will come. Uh, and often it'll it'll exceed the money that would have been made had we just stuck to the the mundane route uh, of 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 just uh, uh, you know sticking to the career path. Uh, yeah. Even like I, you're, I, I don't know what is I don't know anything about his 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 his, his, his financials, of course. But uh, you had the one po podcast with the regenerative um, farmer. And I forget if his background was ever in corporate, um, but he's obviously financially doing extremely well, and his entire passion is is nature-based, um, regenerative farming-based, and he's making bank, I would assume. Um, and <laughs> similar to the the one guy the um, and. Just one other podcast reference, because these were the ones that kind of sticked with me, that he was in banking, I think even with the, the government, um, and then went to Peace Corps, and now he has a, ah, a yeah, nonprofit yeah, Riker, focused on biodiversity. Riker Vermilia. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure he's doing really well as well, and, and even if he's making less, I'm sure he's tenfold more fulfilled. Um, mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and also... Right now, I don't know, like the, the word loyalty is swinging back to my mind from what we were talking about before. You know, like this, like the blind loyalty to a company or to, to I don't know, to the state or like, <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I think loyalty is not a bad thing. It's also like, where is it aimed to? No. Um, in a in a case like yours, and I want to think that me sometimes, um, yeah, like loyalty to to feel that you're resonating with your environment and what you're working in and your friends and your people, and it's definitely like a quest, you know. Uh, sometimes you feel it, sometimes you don't, but at the end, being loyal like you said, to what you love and like to what you resonate with in a deeper level, 
I think that would definitely bring fulfillment and wealth and connection uh, and purpose. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it really boils down to loyalty is, is critical. Without loyalty, there's no trust. Um, yeah. It's more, what are you being loyal to? If you're being loyal to, like in my case, I was loyal because I was ethical. I followed the rules. I, I, I was respectful to my boss. I got to work in time, and etc. Uh, uh, when I was uh, doing a management consulting gig at a bank in Jamaica, so I was 100% loyal, um, and it garnered trust. And and I, I, I even met, you know made friendships during this experience. But I was loyal to something that absolutely means nothing to me. That, in fact, in some sense, I'm, or in many senses, I'm, I'm against. Um, and so, yeah, it, loyalty is critical. It's just, it's just we, we as humans are are able to, to make choices, and 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 some people choose to be loyal to something that they don't really love. If 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 you feel it in your heart and you love it and you connect with it then that loyalty is, is just going to help you grow and, 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 and make connections and, and be a better, better mm-hmm. human and, and better spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you a bit about you c- going back home to, to Ohio with your family. Um, in our catch-up call we had yesterday. Um, You were telling me that it's a bit challenging because you feel a little bit limited in terms of um, social interactions and like being uh, nourished in in that area. Um, But how has the experience been of of you going back home uh, obviously, you you have a, a a nice job that you're enjoying, where where you're fulfilled, like you feel there's purpose. But what's happening in the other areas um, of your life? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly. In in summary, I'm I'm very happy with the decision I've made to to return home, especially because my position working in the public school system offers me two months every year to engage in some other project anywhere I want because, you know, we have summer vacation in the U.S. public school system. If if I were to return home and, and it was a permanent situation where I was just here, then I wouldn't be fulfilled. It would ultimately, you know, eat away at me. Not because I don't love yeah. my hometown. In fact, every Every day, every year, I, I connect with it more. I, I love it more, and I and I see it, it growing, and and it's really fantastic. But I really um, feel like I'm a an international, global, very holistic soul, and I cannot be in one place permanently, no matter where that is. That's just not me. I need <laughs> uh, a constant engagement. So, I guess the biggest it's not so much a challenge it's it's almost i almost see it as an opportunity because for example if i were to make a list of the 20 people that i connect with the most personally spiritually 
in any way you could imagine, removing family from this uh, context. There's only one person that I would put on that list that's from my hometown. Um, the rest yeah. are spread out, probably majority Mexico, but also throughout Europe and East Asia and a few other places that I'm probably forgetting. So in my perfect world, I'd, I'd be closer to those people and, 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 and be able to con reconnect with them more often. But I see it as an opportunity because a lot of the people I, where I work, it, it really is a, a family, really tight. The synergy is just beautiful. Everyone is looking out for each other. The students seem to really respect you know, what we're doing. And at the same time, you know, they're so different from me. You know, they're not the typical um, person that on a normal basis I would connect with, but not because of um, anything negative. To the contrary, the, the connection is that we have the, this mutual goal, mutual mission, a common love of community, education, and people. So I can connect with them in, in that realm, even though, you know, we might not be hanging out, you know, at a social gathering on a normal basis. Yeah. So it's yeah. almost an opportunity. Every day is, you know, I'm, I'm learning new perspectives that if I were back in Mexico, I'd be connecting with my social group and not that I wouldn't be growing and, and gaining new perspectives. It's just a social circle that is very different than, than me and my background, but that we're brought together with a common goal and a common love and, and a common respect and loyalty. And so, so despite our differences, it would be difficult if I wasn't able to break out, you know, throughout the year, but I am yeah. able to. So that's yeah. what, what is really critical. Of course, last summer, I, I spent the entire summer in, in Mexico, as you know, I'm producing music. That was going to be my, my goal this summer, but the world offered a different opportunity that is equally beautiful and it's directly aligned with my job and my global connection and, and love of the world, which yeah. is a growing community of Brazilian students. So my disconnect this, this summer will actually still be connected to my job, but I'll be spending the summer in Brazil learning Portuguese because it's a need that I just can't ignore. You know, it was something that just came out of, kind of fell out of the sky after one new Brazilian student, then a second, then a third, then a fourth, and now like, now there's 10. It's been a real, beautiful situation and, and big challenge because I'm accustomed to supporting my Spanish speaking students and I'm fluent in Spanish and that's really easy for me. And then all out of no, yeah. out of nowhere, the, 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 my English learner group is now much more heavily weighted toward Portuguese speakers who I hmm. cannot support as much as I can my Spanish speakers. So the vibe was really clear and obvious once I realized how much of a disservice I was providing them because they're, you know, come fresh from Brazil and don't speak a word of English. And I'm, I need to help them find their pathway and, and grow. You did a crowdfunding when you realized you were in need of learning Portuguese to help your students and your community. You reached out for your like global community to help fund that trip you're doing to Brazil to learn Portuguese, right? Yeah, exactly. This is the first fundraiser 
I've really ever undertaken. This was yeah. a case where it, it, I truly feel and know that I'm going to be paying this forward to my students. And, and so I first saw the, the opportunity and more than anything, the need to speak Portuguese because it's now the majority of my EL students in many of my classrooms. And then I, I began the, the process of researching. Without focusing on the money, I, I just sought out what I considered to be the top program, which wasn't the most expensive. And I considered a few different options in terms of Kickstarter, GoFundMe, and I really poured my heart into it. And it was really a beautiful journey, which is still live as we speak. Yeah. There's, I'm one month away from going to, to Brazil. I, I was yeah. very, very humbled by how successful it was. It really speaks to what I was talking about in terms of how tight of a, of a family we are in, in my school district. And also, of course, support from my own family, from my neighborhood. The, the community support and interest in, in my mission was really not surprising because I was very optimistic, but it was just beautiful. It just really made me put a big smile on my, on my face and, and mm -hmm. in my heart. That's to beautiful. see how I was able to, you know, communicate this need and people really felt it and they really knew and know that this is something that is going to directly impact in a very positive way the students in Worthington. And next year there will be even, yeah. even more Brazilian students. So I'm just so excited. I've finally grounded myself a little bit, but there was about a month where I wasn't sleeping for more than like two to four hours a night just from, from sheer excitement. I'm a little uh, ADHD. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was quite exhausting, but from something that you love and are very excited and happy about. So I, I was very, the yeah. energy was strong, but it took me a while to, to get grounded. But yeah, that's what's happening this summer. It's so beautiful and inspiring for me, like that meeting point of you. Yeah, like you looking to fulfill your community's need and then looking into a way of developing your own skill set in a context that you love, which is like traveling and living in a new country for two months, no? to like beautiful, beautiful Brazil. It's so, so inspiring. And it makes me feel that maybe it's nice to lose the fear of reaching out for help when we are in need of something that will fulfill our purpose and therefore impact our community and environment in a positive way. It's really, really beautiful to see that happening. Yeah, definitely. I think any crowdfunding is legit. It, it just it, all, it goes back to uh, what we were talking about before. If, if Whether you're asking for money for a, an album that you're producing or a new organization that you're creating or a or even a business an art project in my case learning a language it's all legitimate if your if your heart's in it it quickly becomes evident when a project is is superficial and, and someone is just looking for money versus yeah. a project that regardless of what it is it could be a business project an art project but your heart can either be in it or or not it really is a beautiful process because it, certainly not everyone gave me money But everyone gave me support, shared a little bit of their heart 
and mm-hmm. and just rooted me along the way and and that mm-hmm. really made the the world of difference that's beautiful i wanted to ask you if, if there is some way in which you saw other areas in your life that you wouldn't expect dialing in or getting in tune when you found this job and and kind of like got in tune with that part of you of community and purpose because you've told me like you're so happy and you did not expect to be so happy in something like this i wonder if you saw other areas of your life blooming in unexpected ways yeah the 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 biggest connection was was through the interaction with with the kids which you know really they're young adults some cases there are adults you know i i work with kids across the whole district but predominantly from the age of 13 to 19. it's never been something i've considered to be my part of my path it's never been something that i even considered myself to to be that to be a, a core strength working with kids. I've always worked with adults, so I, I never sought uh, a path that would lead me uh, uh, to working with kids. So that was the, the unknown factor that I just had no idea how it was going to, to affect me, uh, how my skill sets were going to connect or disconnect with being in a world uh, where I'm now essentially working with kids, of course, and adults, my colleagues, but I'm essentially mainly working with kids. And it was, uh, it's a pathway that I, I never explored. It was a learning curve. Immediately, I realized that I was going to enjoy it, but I didn't know to, yeah. to what extent. I also immediately realized that I was lacking all of the skill sets in terms of working with kids. So it was just kind of an organic process of of learning how to engage and quite frankly i kind of just treat them as little adults <laughs> and for me that's really worked the best you always have to play you know be careful of the fine line between you being the adult and and and, and them being you know an adolescent a, a teenager so you have to be, be be careful but but just kind of treating them as both as friends and as kids that need to obey you and listen to you that was the challenge trying to, to find the happy balance between keeping things in control, earning their respect, but at the same time earning their, developing a, a friendship. I just kind of dove in, not really thinking about whether or not I was going to excel or thrive in, a, in this environment, but, but it ultimately worked in my favor that I, that I developed really strong bonds, really strong connections. It's really kind of an innate abstract, indescribable process where you, you, you reach a moment where you realize that, you know, you're really connecting and, mm. and it takes time. My sister's been teaching for over nine years and I'm just two years now into this gig and I see it as a, a calling, as a career path, as something that I just want to continue to grow. Mm. Nice. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. And also like you were exp- uh, explaining yesterday in our call, you are not completely detached from other goals and like 
wishes and dreams, no? Like you making music and setting up a studio to share with the community and create art. I love that you are doing, you know, like you are focusing in something that's giving you a lot and giving your surroundings a lot. And also you keep having these other parallel tracks no, on the side, which is lovely. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, similar to you, I think you, you got your hands tied in a few more things than I do at the moment. But yeah, typically I'm working on multiple projects all simultaneously. Uh, right now, my, yeah. my project is the school, learning Portuguese. Uh, my biggest muse right now is the discovery of music, yeah. discovering all, all types all, uh, of genres and just music from all around the world is really a beautiful process for me. And to continue to m grow my, my studio, my, my vision is to one day both link it to the community and a school and friends and collaborators where essentially I'll have a, whatever it, it would be called, it could be like a, whatever it is, it's, it would be an open space with a professional studio, which I already have, but I want it to be much more Uh, to continue to grow it where basically anyone could come, whether it's a kid mm. that's never even touched a piece of gear or an instrument in their life and just wants to come and, and, and dive in, or a mm -hmm. professional musician that wants to check out the studio space and record their, their next album, or a friend yes. that just wants to jam and rock out and, and just have a fun night making music. Yeah. All, all of those are connections that really... Uh, feed the soul and i think i mean all the arts are are so critical to our development and growth so i wouldn't want to make an argument toward one or the other i think all mediums of art are critical but there's there's something about music for me that that seems just so universal you know you, you yeah. can listen to a song in another language and it can make you happy make you cry make you dance generate all of these emotions regardless of the language. I think it's kind of like the universal language, the language of sound, of music, of totally, creation and expression. Totally. totally. I love it and I totally feel that. This was good. Thank you, Kenny, for this conversation, for this time. Yeah, I, I, I really want to thank you for this opportunity. I, I want to offer, um, if you'll let me... Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a prayer that I really love yeah. that my dad um, shared with us during this last year's Thanksgiving. It, it might have made more sense to, to share it at the beginning, but um, it's from a book um, written by an atheist, but mm. that prays every day and believes in prayer. And it's, it's a prayer that doesn't discriminate against any denomination, any belief. I grew up Methodist. Um, then I went through a pathway where I thought I was atheist, didn't believe in God. Now I am very clear and, and, and strong in my heart that I believe in, I don't define if it's, there's a God or a goddess or, or deities, but I, I definitely appreciate everyone's you know, background and, and spiritual and religious um, beliefs. So I just think um, the idea of that anyone can pray and, and get power from, from blessings and prayers and offerings, regardless of your religion. And even if you 
or an atheist. Um, so I just, I just yeah. really loved the, uh, the prayer. So I wanted to, to share it. it. It mentions meal, but I think it basically this, this, whenever it mentions food or meal, it, I take that as essentially in this case, our conversation, um, is the nourishment. Mm. Uh, yeah. But, Anything that nourishes yeah. you. Um, it's not too long. So beautiful. As we come together to share this meal, let us first remember how it came to us and be thankful to the people who made it possible. This food was born from the bounty of the earth in warm sunlight, rich earth and cool rain. May it nourish us in body and mind and provide us with things that are good for living. We are grateful to those who cultivated it, those who harvested it, those who brought it to us and those who prepared it. May its consumption bring about the pleasures of friendship, love, and good company. And as we partake of this food in each other's company, as what was once separate from all of us becomes part of each of us, may we also remember what we have in common and what brings us all together. May this sharing of food foster peace and understanding among us. May it bring us to the recognition that we depend on each other for all the good we can ever hope to receive, and that all the good we can hope to accomplish rests in helping others in turn. May it remind us that as we reach out to others to brighten their lives, so are our lives brightened in turn. For me, this connects directly to this mm -hmm. moment you and I are sharing, and really anything in life. I just found it really beautiful. I wanted to share it with you. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Th thanks for everything you're doing. You're, you're a true inspiration, Sergio. I really do mean that. Hmm. Look forward to seeing you, you hopefully Kenny. soon. That was Kenny Galloway. You want to support his crowdfunding campaign and the growing immigrant student population in his district, please visit the links on the show notes of this episode. This episode of We Walk the Earth is supported by Virtual Coach, the top coaching training you can find online. I started the Virtual Coach training a week ago and I'm really excited to dig deep into the tools they provide to dial into my potential and eventually aid other people in doing so. Stay tuned to find out more of this journey. We Walk the Earth is a Nodalove original and is produced by me, Sergio Isauro. The music in this episode was produced by Tejedor. Poetry Forest by Virginia Vigliar. Editing by Miguel Andrade. Mixing by Samuel Peñalba. Executive Production by Jorge González. Content Strategy by Sofia Benedicto. If you like this podcast, please rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify. This will help us keep going, creating and igniting curiosity in more people. This is We Walk the Earth. Thank you for listening. Until next time.